Good afternoon and welcome to the Tuesday edition of the Manitoba Farm Journal. I'm your host, Corey Canute. Coming up this afternoon, we'll have another edition of the Bean Report. Also, we'll hear from Federal Agriculture Minister Marie-Claude Bebo. And up first in today's country comment, we'll chat with the president of Pulse Canada. The latest farm news and market numbers all coming up over the next 60 minutes. The time now is 12 o'clock. Here's a look at our local news. Good afternoon. You're listening to the Manitoba Farm Journal. Joining us now is the president of Pulse Canada, Greg Cherwick, to give us the latest details on the situation with India. The Indian Ministry of Finance announced last week that India's import duty on lentils from all origins except the U.S. would be reduced from 30% to 10%. Uh, There's a 10% tax on duty, so the effective rate drops from 33% to 11%. And it's our understanding right now that that reduction applies to cargo cleared through Indian ports by August 31st, 2020. What's that going to mean for uh, for producers here in Canada? Well, I think first thing at, at a high level, it says to us that this, this government will intervene when supplies tighten and domestic prices get too high. Too high. Um, this is generally a move to increase the domestic supply of lentils to temper food inflation. So, Indian media reports that food inflation is over 8% as a result of the pandemic. Uh, this year's rabi crops uh, were smaller than expected. You combine that with the fact that demand for staple products like pulses was high during the lockdown. They've drawn down some buffer stocks due to their government providing one kilogram of pulses per household for, uh, for free for three months under the National Food Security Act. All of those things put pressure on domestic prices. So, you know, you've got a government who's been very focused historically in the last couple of years on doubling farmers' income and generally supporting prices to farmers to encourage pulse production in India. But this shows that they're also pretty mindful of the price of staple products like pulses to the consumer. You know, food inflation can impact the most vulnerable segments of any population. It's particularly relevant in India. So it's not something that would go unchecked. Uh, very long under any conditions. Are there other um, tariffs that are currently in place? Yes, we do have uh, we have tariffs in place for chickpeas. Uh, we have tariff plus a quantitative restriction in place for, for yellow peas as well. So for some time now, it's been lentils that have been moving um, even at that uh, at that higher rate of 30%. Lentils have been moving um, quite well into India, particularly this year. We're, we're approaching 400,000 metric tons in exports. Peas are being um, uh, regulated by this quantitative restriction that limits uh, 150 Canada's exports to 150,000 tons a year. So it has really become, over the last couple of years, a market for us for lentils, again, even with that heightened tariff level. That was Pulse Canada President Greg Cherowick giving us the latest details on the situation with India. A look at what's happening in the markets this afternoon is coming up. Good afternoon, I'm Corey Canute. Federal Agriculture Minister Marie-Claude Bebo said today that farmers won't be getting any relief for the carbon tax paid on grain drying. During a media call, Bebo noted the estimates range from $210 to $819 per farm. The data we have received and analyzed, the analysis that has been made by the department, do not show that the impact of the price on pollution uh, has a significant impact on grain drying that has a significant impact on the operation cost. The impact is a very, very small percentage uh, in the uh, operation cost. 
people also announced today the launch of the second call for proposals under the local food infrastructure fund. Manitoba Pulse and Soybean Growers is giving an update on this year's crops. Here's production specialist Cassandra Kochik. Soybeans and drybeans in Manitoba are anywhere from still emerging to the unifoliate stage. And some of the earliest seeded soybeans and drybeans will be at the first trifoliate stage by now. With a wide range in pea planting dates this year, we've seen peas anywhere from V4 to V7 right now. So this is the fourth to seventh node. And this means several fields will be nearing that sixth node stage, or they've surpassed it already, which is a critical time for herbicide application in peas. Kochik expects some major flushes of weeds this week to appear. And the hog markets are still being impacted by huge uncertainty. Market analyst Tyler Fulton says cash prices have completely fallen apart, adding carcass values are coming down from their record high levels due to a resurgence of production. We're seeing a recovery in U.S. slaughter levels after seeing you know, roughly a third of a cut in, in production levels about a month ago. Last week, we, we pretty much think that the slaughter levels have recovered to something close to maybe, you know, maybe something within 5% of normal slaughter levels, which is absolutely key to the direction of, you know, where the market's going to go. Fulton says prices remain extremely unprofitable for hog producers in Western Canada. That was a look at today's farm news. I'm Corey Canute. Good afternoon and welcome to the Prairie Ag Wire for Tuesday, June 9th. I'm Corey Canute. Coming up today, we'll hear from Federal Agriculture Minister Marie-Claude Bebo. Federal Agriculture Minister Marie-Claude Bebo held a Zoom conference this morning to announce the launch of the second call for proposals under the Local Food Infrastructure Fund. During the call, she was asked if farmers would be receiving any relief for the carbon tax that's paid on grain drying. The data we have received, and uh, I would have to to look for my the, the exact numbers, but um, the data we have received and analyzed uh, the analysis that has been made by the department um, do not uh, show that um, the impact of the press on pollution uh, has a significant impact on grain drying that has a significant impact on the operation costs. And I can get back to you with more specific uh, numbers, but it's a fraction in terms of a very, very small percentage of the impact. Uh, the impact is a very, very small percentage uh, in the uh, operation costs. So this is why uh, we are not moving forward with uh, more specific uh, relief, but once again, don't forget that uh, they, the, the gas that is being utilized on farm or through card lock uh, are exempted. Uh, greenhouses eating is exempted. Uh, so we have made where the impact is significant, exemption has been given. We'll just tell you that the, uh, the data that I have um, and, uh, you know, Agriculture and Agri-Food Canada use data from Agricultural Tax Data Program to show the impacts on a per farm basis as a percentage of total operating costs. This is the way it's, it's being looked at. And the estimates range from $210 to $819 per farm and 0.0, uh, 0.05% um, 
to 0.42% of total farm operating expenses. So when you compare it, for example, to, to the greenhouse heating, uh, which have, uh, you know, which, which is a significant portion of the uh, operation, operating costs, and if I'm not mistaken, it's about around 7%, uh, there, there's, there's a significant difference. So if we were to move forward, you know, with these data, it, many other businesses would also fall into the same level of, of impact. So, uh, you know, that this pollution pricing policy, um, it's an important part of, uh, for a greener economy and for more sustainable uh, development. And, and I mean, uh, and I think, uh, you know, we also want to recognize that farmers are doing um, a lot in terms of improving technologies, uh, improving, uh, you know, the, their, their practices to, uh, to be a good steward of the land also. Uh, but I don't think that uh, the price on pollution, waiving the price on pollution for, uh, is, is the right approach, but we want to recognize, you know, the farmers for what the, the, the good things they are doing for the environment. And we have more work to do on that. And actually, as part of the food policy, we have a, a by Canadian uh, component that I was very eager to, to develop and launch, but it, uh, and one part of, of it was to uh, recognize the, the contribution of the farmers in different ways. Um, but uh, we'll have to be, uh, wait a bit, uh, a bit longer to, to put it in place. That was Federal Agriculture Minister Marie-Claude Bibo speaking during a Zoom conference earlier today. Clean Farms has released its 2019 annual report showing Canadian farmers are strengthening their commitment to recycling and returning egg plastics like pesticide and fertilizer containers and grain bags. Glenda Lee Allen Vossler talked with Clean Farms General Manager Barry Friesen. Barry, of course, Clean Farms releasing their 2019 annual report. What does it show us? Well, it shows us that we're getting, we, we've been adding more programs to our current suite and farmers are very familiar with our program from the past because uh, the small container recycling program for pesticide containers have been operating since 1989. It started in the prairies. However, we now have five permanent programs and what we're seeing is we're seeing increases in virtually every single program uh, across the country. And what it really means is that if we build the right system, if we give the farmers the tools to do the job, darn right, they are going to do it. And um, that's what we're seeing. We're seeing increases in all of our programs. And in fact, our program for our container, pro uh, small container program, actually had a slight decrease last year, but so did the entire industry. And in fact, uh, um, it really, what it really shows that we were down about 6%, but the sale into the province, uh, the country was about down about 11%. So we actually had a 5% gain in collecting containers. So we're quite pleased about that. All of our other four programs, we've seen gains across the board. And again, what it's showing it is that the farmers will do the right thing. They want to do the right thing. They want to recycle when they can. And we build it and they will come. Give us some numbers, for example, with some of the other programs that we see in effect. Well, certainly if we start with our small container program, the second container 
People think about it as typically a 10-liter container, although it comes a little bit larger, a little bit smaller. But the typical 10-liter container that holds pesticides or fertilizers, we collected 5.5 million of those containers um, last year. And, uh, and 80% of those containers are in the three prairie provinces. And uh, since our program began, we've collected, I think it was 130-some million containers since 1989. And if you, put, and if you try and visualize how, how many containers those are, if you put the, them end-to-end along the Trans-Canada Highway, you could drive from St. John's, Newfoundland to Victoria, B.C. and back three times. That's a lot of containers. That's a lot of plastic that isn't being littered, isn't being dumped in a landfill, and isn't being burnt um, with all the toxins and emissions that would come off of open burning. Instead, we are recycling these into new plastic products. So all of our programs are, are designed such that when farmers take them back, there is no charge. They can do that free of charge. Our obsolete pesticide and animal health product program, we operate in every province every three years, and we continue to get new farmers coming in to clean out their cam sheds and, and their medicine cabinets from from the, the farms of old drugs that uh, they need to dispose, and it's free of charge for them to do that. And our bulk container program, which is relatively new, where we collect all single-use bulk containers from everything from 115 liter all the way up to 1,000 liter IBCs, and uh, we had a 25% increase in that, in, in that collection last year. That's Barry Friesen, General Manager of Clean Farms. For Golden West, I'm Blandily Allen Bossler. That's it for the Prairie Eggwire for today. If you have any questions or opinions to share, send them to us by email, thefarmdesk at goldenwestradio.com. On behalf of Blandily Allen Bossler, I'm Corey Canute. Thanks for listening and have a great afternoon. The Prairie Eggwire will return tomorrow on the Golden West Farm Network. Time now for a look at the farm calendar. Verified Beef Production Plus webinars are taking place every Tuesday night starting at 7 o'clock. You can register by emailing verifiedbeefmanitoba at gmail.com. The official Manitoba Hunter Safety Course is now available online. The course is endorsed by the province and Manitoba Wildlife Federation. Visit huntercourse.com to register. Keystone Egg Producers is partnering with the province to host a webinar entitled Cultivating Your Way to Burnout. The webinars take place June 9th and June 11th. You can register on the CAP website. And CAP is also offering a webinar on June 16th on provincial and federal HR programs for farmers. Again, register on the CAP website. It's time now for the Bean Report, brought to you by Manitoba Pulse and Soybean Growers. Joining us today is Production Specialist Cassandra Kochik. Soybeans and dry beans in Manitoba are anywhere from still emerging to the unifoliate stage. And some of the earliest seeded soybeans and dry beans will be at the first trifoliate stage by now. With a wide range in pea planting dates this year, we've seen peas anywhere from V4 to V7 right now. So this is the fourth to seventh node. And this means several fields will be nearing that sixth node stage, or they've surpassed it already, which is a critical time for herbicide application in peas. Many of the in-crop herbicides cannot be applied past this sixth true node stage, which is why it's important. And when you're out there staging your peas, remember to exclude the two, exclude the two scale nodes at the base of the plant from the total true node number. For faba beans across the province, growth stages currently range from V2 to V4. 
to give a little bit more information on crop and field conditions out there, last week we saw a lot of soil crusting and seedlings struggling to emerge in some fields. Some seedlings had yellow plant tissue, others were swollen or had crooked, crooked stems from trying to grow around soil clods. Regarding frost damage, we saw peas, soybeans, and fava beans at different locations that were just touched by frost, the one that happened on May 30th. Plants after frost were either discolored or had brown crispy plant tissue, but overall the pulse and soybean crops weren't hit as hard by frost as other crops. There were some concerns over heavy winds last week. To this point, I recommend getting out there to assess your plant stands and crop conditions this week. From wind, you might see a loss of plant stand, abrasion to plants, or a pinched stem from being spun around by the wind. And for pests, we've seen slow emergence of weeds so far under the dry conditions. Um, But with this recent rain and heat, I expect some major flushes of weeds to come up this week. And everyone should also continue to monitor cutworm damage this week, taking note of any regrowth in pea and fava bean crops. Now, Cassandra, what should farmers keep in mind when uh, looking at plant stands? Yeah, so this is a good time to start assessing plant stands as the crops finish emerging. Uh, For a quick refresher on where you want your plant stands to be, soybeans, you want 140 to 160,000 live plants per acre. For peas, you want to see 350 to 400,000 plants per acre. And for dry beans, it depends on the market class. So for navy beans, you want 90,000 plants per acre in wide rows and more than 115,000 in narrow rows. For pinto beans, you want to see 70 to 80,000 in wide rows and 90 to 120,000 plants per acre in narrow rows. And for black beans, you're aiming for 90 to 120,000 plants per acre. For the other market classes and other pulse crops, check out our website or watch for this info in the Bean Report coming out this Wednesday. Thanks, Cassandra. Cassandra Kochik is a production specialist with Manitoba Pulse and Soybean Growers. The Bean Report is brought to you by Manitoba Pulse and Soybean Growers. You can find out more at manitobapulse.ca. Time now for another look at today's farm news. Farmers won't be getting any relief for the carbon tax applied to grain drying. Federal Ag Minister Marie-Claude Bebo says the data shows the cost of the carbon tax on grain drying does not warrant any specific action. This is why we are not moving forward with uh, more specific uh, relief. But once again, don't forget that uh, the gas that is being utilized on farm or through card lock are exempted. Uh, greenhouses eating is exempted. Where the impact is significant, exemption has been given. Bebo also announced today the launch of the second call for proposals under the Local Food Infrastructure Fund. Hog producers continue to navigate the markets in these uncertain times. Tyler Fulton is with Hams Marketing. Our forward prices are reflecting that huge uncertainty in the market. The forward prices are kind of, you know, in a weird spot because to try to predict, you know, whether or not, for example, restaurants in the United States are going to be open uh, two months from now or six months from now and whether or not the packing plants are going to be operating at, at full capacity in that same time frame. You know, it's almost a fool's game. Fulton says cash prices have come down sharply. And Manitoba Pulse and Soybean Growers is recommending farmers scout their fields this week. Here's production specialist Cassandra Kochik. There were some concerns over heavy winds last week. To this point, I recommend getting out there to assess your plant stands and crop conditions this week. 
from wind, you might see a loss of plant stand, abrasion to plants, or a pinched stem from being spun around by the wind. And for pests, we've seen slow emergence of weeds so far under the dry conditions. Um, but with this recent rain and heat, I expect some major flushes of weeds to come up this week. Kotchik expects some major flushes of weeds to appear this week. I'll be back after this to wrap up today's program. We've come to the end of today's Manitoba Farm Journal. I'm your host, Corey Canute. If you have any questions or comments, you can reach us by email thefarmdesk at goldenwestradio.com. Today's closing numbers with more in-depth commentary on what's happening in the markets is coming up at 10 to 2 on the Markets Farm Program. Thanks for listening and have a great afternoon. Hope you can join us back here tomorrow starting at 12 noon.